All right, well, we're going to get into the teaching of the Word today. We are in a teaching series called All In, where we are looking at the life of King Hezekiah. And Hezekiah lived all in for God, and that is our challenge in this teaching series, that we're going to live all in for God, right? We're going to push all of our chips to the center of the table, and we're going to say, you know what? Win or lose, good or bad, it doesn't matter. We're all in for you, Lord. And so last week in part one of this series, we looked at this idea of being all in on the presence of God, right? That we would not be negligent in our responsibilities as the priesthood, right? The, uh, in the book of Peter, it says that we are the priesthood as followers of Jesus. We are the priesthood of God. And what was the responsibility of the priesthood? It was the incense. It was the table of showbread. And it was the golden lampstand, which is prayer and praise, intimacy with Jesus and his word, and evangelism, letting our light shine. And so if we will be all in on those three things and give ourselves completely to those three things, and we would continue to sow into doing the right things and sow into doing the God things and sow into the presence of God, then what will we begin to see? We'll begin to see the suddenlies of God. We'll begin to see the miraculous breakthroughs, the sudden restorations, the, the, those things that begin to happen. We'll begin to see those things. And on the outside, it'll look like it's suddenly. But on the inside, we'll know I've been sowing into this thing. I just keep casting the line out because I know I'm going to catch a fish. And the catching the fish happens suddenly, but casting the line out over and over again is what it takes. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to be all in on the presence of God. And so today we're going to do part two of this series, and that is we are going to be all in against the enemy. We're going to be all in against the enemy. If you've got your notes, which you can find the notes inside your bulletin, on our digital campus, you can find the sermon notes attached to the video, or on the podcast, you can find the sermon notes attached to the audio of the podcast. And you can see in your notes, here's our big picture point today. This is what we want to get across. The more we are in the presence of God, the more victory we have over the enemy and his lies. And so as we made the decision last week that we're going to be all in on the presence of God, then that also means that we can be all in against the enemy and we can be victorious against his lies. And so today, we're going to look at the strategy of lies, the campaign of lies that the enemy uses and then we're going to look at the, the life of Hezekiah to see how we can be victorious over those lies. Now, you'll notice in the notes that there are tons of Scripture verses that I've put in your notes, right? Multiple chapters. We're not going to read those multiple chapters. We just don't have time to do that. But I wanted to put all of it into the notes so that you can be like the Bereans. Don't just take my word for it. Go home and read it. Go home and study it for yourself and see the truth that's in there. So we're going to read little snippets out of these chapters, but we're not going to read the entire thing together. But let's start with just verse 7 of 2 Kings 18. It says this, and the Lord was with him, talking about Hezekiah. And the Lord was with him wherever he went, he prospered. Now, that's a pretty good line. We're going to dive into that line a little more deeply next Sunday. But the second part of it is this. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. If you'll remember, at this time in history, Assyria is the most powerful empire the world has ever known. And the Assyrian Empire is just picking off one nation after another, bringing nations into subjection. 
And, and generally what the Assyrian Empire would do is when they would bring a nation into subjection, if that nation would submit themselves, then they would just charge them a tribute, right? Which is just basically pay us money every year and we'll let you live. If the nation uh, was a little bit more rebellious or a little bit more stubborn, then what Assyria would do is they would... Uh, they would kill the king of the nation and they'd put their own king in place to make sure that they kept the people under control. And if that nation still proved to be rebellious and stubborn, then they would just wipe the cities out and bring the people captive back to Assyria. Right? So they had different levels of how they were taking over nations. And so when it came to the southern kingdom of Judah, King Ahaz, Hezekiah's father, had given into Assyria and was paying tribute to them, right? Taking money and paying them the money. But here we see that Hezekiah, and last week we learned that Hezekiah made his number one priority the presence of God. And here we see that in the midst of that, Hezekiah rebelled against Assyria. What does that mean? That means that now Assyria is going to move to a different level, right? And those different levels are either going to be that they're going to kill Hezekiah and put their own king in place, or they're just going to wipe out all the cities of Judah and take the people away captive because now they've been identified as a rebellious people against the Assyrian empire. In the midst of this, Assyria had just destroyed and taken away captive the northern kingdom of Israel. And so the southern kingdom has experienced this and witnessed this, that the complete destruction and taken into captivity of God's people of the northern kingdom. And now Assyria begins to march on the southern kingdom of Judah. And the Bible says that they are now taking out one fortified city after another on their way to Jerusalem, to the capital city. And here's the thing. In this test, Hezekiah fails. And he actually fails twice. And God really had to deal with me on this because I don't like the fact that Hezekiah failed. Right? There's just something. I don't know if it's just me. There's just that, that sense of the ideal, right? That, that we want to have these ideal role models. And you want to be able to tell the perfect story of Hezekiah, this man that was all in. And yet he failed twice. And so I, I struggle with this. This is, this is one of the reasons that uh, it took me a long time to like episode eight of Star Wars. Because when I was a kid, Luke Skywalker was the ideal hero. And he didn't fail, right? and he was perfect, and he had the, the character and the moral attributes, and he was that ideal hero. And then in episode 8, they turned him into a grumpy old man. And I didn't like the idea of a flawed hero. I had to watch it several times and, and let it grow on me. And so God was dealing with me in this concept of a flawed leader because Hezekiah failed twice. He actually went into the temple stripped all the gold out of the temple and gave it to the king of Assyria as a tribute, hoping that Assyria would stop. He made the decision to rebel against Assyria, but then when he was put to the test, he gave in and gave Assyria all the gold. And then he went to Egypt and asked Egypt to help them against the Assyrians because Egypt was really the last powerful nation that was left. He failed twice. 
He trusted in God enough to rebel against Assyria, but then when put to the test, he didn't trust in God. But here's the thing. Even though Assyria got the money, they kept coming. Because Hezekiah had already been labeled as rebellious, so they weren't going to stop. And not only that, but on their way to Jerusalem, they actually circled south of Jerusalem and took the city Lachish. Why is that a big deal? Because that was the pathway between Jerusalem and Egypt. And so Assyria not only took the money, but they also cut off the pathway of Egypt. And, And here's the thing. Sometimes when God knows our heart and God knows we're all in, but even in the midst of that, we still fail and we trust in things other than God. Sometimes God will bring us to the point where all we can do is trust in him. And even though Hezekiah failed, God brought him to the point. The money didn't work. Egypt was cut off and he brought Hezekiah to the point where he could only trust in God. And even though you might be like me and you like the ideal heroes, listen, we have a perfect role model. His name is Jesus. But we also need to be able to see that even in brokenness and failure, you can still be all in. And if you're here today and you've struggled with the idea of being all in for God because of the brokenness and the failure of your life, then Hezekiah stands as a model that says you can still be all in even if you failed once, even if you failed twice, even if you failed many times. And so what Assyria would do as they were sieging the city of Lachish south of Jerusalem, and this was kind of their common pattern, is that as they were destroying one city, they would send an envoy to the next city. Because to siege a city with walls took time. It could take weeks, months, sometimes even years to siege a city, break down the wall, eventually break through the wall and take the city or siege it long enough that the people inside start to starve to death and they give up. Whatever the case may be, it would take time. And so it was much better to get people to surrender than it was to have to siege a city. So as they're sieging one city, their plan was always to send an envoy to the next city to try to get them to surrender before they even got there to save them the time of sieging it. And that's what happens here in, in our text in 2 Kings 18 and in 2 Chronicles 32, is that as the Assyrians under King Sennacherib are, are uh, sieging the city of Lachish, they send an envoy to Jerusalem. And they actually do this in several ways. They send a message privately to some of the leaders of Jerusalem. They do a message publicly where they shout it out loud so everybody on the wall can hear it. And they also do it in written form when they send a letter to King Hezekiah. So they were hitting this thing every angle possible. Let's just read one example. Like I said, we're not going to read all of it, but let's just read one example. 2 Chronicles 32, starting in verse 9. It says, after this, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, sent his servants to Jerusalem while he was besieging Lachish with all his forces with him. Against Hezekiah, king of Judah, and against all Judah who were at Jerusalem, saying, so now listen, here's the message that the envoy brought. Thus says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, on what are you trusting that you are remaining in Jerusalem under siege? Is not Hezekiah misleading you to give yourselves over to die by hunger and by thirst, saying the Lord our God will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria? Has not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before one altar and on it you shall burn incense? 
Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of the lands? Were the gods of the nations of the lands able at all to deliver their land from my hand? Who was there among all the gods of those nations which my fathers utterly destroyed who could deliver his people out of my hand? That your God should be able to deliver you from my hand. Now, therefore, do not let Hezekiah deceive you or mislead you like this. And do not believe him. For no God of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people from my hand or from the hand of my fathers. How much less will your God deliver you from my my hand. You can see in your notes here, we're going to talk about the enemy's campaign of lies. And what you're going to notice first and foremost is that the enemy was prepared. The enemy was prepared. When you listen to this message, what you hear is that the Assyrians understood Jerusalem's way of worship. They understood the history of Jerusalem, and they understood the things that Hezekiah had done. The enemy had a great understanding of their ways and their customs and their history, and they used all of that against them. Right? The most powerful lies are the ones that are threaded with truth. Listen to me. The most powerful lies are the ones that are threaded with truth. And so we know in the New Testament context, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Our enemies are not nations or people. Our enemy is the devil and his evil spirits that have their way on this planet. And he uses the same types of strategies, when he lies to us, he threads truth into it. His spirits study us and know us. They know our history and what we've been through. They know how we've responded to things in the past. And they will bring their campaign of lies against us using those very things. I'll take threads of truth, like failures of your past that really happened. And use those to tell you what your future is going to look like. Because you failed in the past, you're going to fail again in the future. Lies like, this is who you've always been. So this is who you're always going to be. Right? Lies like, well, things didn't work out for you before. So they're still not going to work out for you now. And the enemy is prepared and knows how to lie to us and knows how to thread truth into those lies to make them even more powerful over our lives. In the midst of this campaign of lies, the enemy also made false promises. 2 Kings 18.23, this is another message that Sennacherib had sent. He said, Now therefore, come make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses if you're able on your part to set riders on them. Come on, don't trust in Hezekiah. Trust in the king of Assyria. I'll give you 2,000 horses. You can have your own cavalry, your own army. 
How about verse 31 and 32? Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me and come out to me and eat each of his vine and each of his fig tree and drink each of the waters of his own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey, that you may live and not die, but do not listen to Hezekiah when he misleads you, saying, the Lord will deliver us, right? The enemy is making false promises. And the enemy understands the history of the promised land and what it meant to the people of God that God promised them a place of abundance and a land that would be theirs. And now what is the enemy saying? The enemy is saying, come with me. Don't fight. Don't sit in the city where you're going to starve to death. Come out of the city. We'll let you eat. In fact, we're going to bring you to this wonderful place where you're going to have an abundance of everything that you want. The enemy is making false promises. And that's what the enemy does for us, right? Come to me. Do it my way. You're going to have so much more fun. It's going to be so much more fulfilling. You're going to feel so much better. Don't trust God to take care of you. I will take care of you. Come on, the enemy lied that way to Eve in the garden. He's lying that way to Hezekiah, and he still lies that way to us today. So the goal of the enemy's campaign of lies was threefold. Number one, that they would lose trust in their leader. What do you hear over and over again in this? You hear, don't listen to Hezekiah. Don't trust Hezekiah. Hezekiah is misleading you. Hezekiah took away your altars. The goal was that they would lose faith in their leader. Now, this may be self-serving for me to say this as the leader of the church, but I am not saying this for my own gain. I am saying this as your shepherd because this is a critical lesson for all of us to learn. If anything is coming into your life trying to separate you from me or trying to separate you from the church, that is not of God. And I will say that boldly. I will declare it prophetically. It is not of God. Now, if I've made a mistake or if I've done something wrong, absolutely, I will be accountable to it. And whether that's the board that will hold me accountable or whether you come and have a conversation with me face to face, and I will humble myself and I will repent and I will be accountable. But if there is a campaign of lies going on, and if somebody is speaking it to you, or if it's thoughts that are going on in your head, little seeds of poison that happen, at the goal of those things is to separate you from me and to separate you from this church, you've got to understand that that is the work of the enemy. And that is the goal of the enemy's campaign, is to separate you from your leader. Come on, if there's anything that anybody says to you, that is causing you to lose trust in me, come talk to me about it. Come talk to me about it. The second goal was to get them to lose trust in God, right? None of the other gods of these lands were able to stop Assyria. What makes you think your God can? They wanted them to lose faith in their leader, and then they wanted them to lose faith in their God so that ultimately, number three, they would give in. They would give in. And that is the same campaign that the enemy is using against us. He wants to separate you from your leader and from your church. He wants to separate you from God. And then he wants you to give in to him and all that he wants to do to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. 
So that's the bad news. Let's talk about the all-in response. What can we learn from Hezekiah in the midst of this that we don't have to give in to the enemy's lies and that the enemy doesn't get to win? So I've got a few points here. The first one is this, preparation. Preparation. If we go to 2 Chronicles 32 and we start reading in verse 1, it says, After these acts of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. That is an interesting phrase. After these acts of faithfulness. Listen, Sennacherib and Assyria destroyed the northern kingdom of God. But when they destroyed the northern kingdom, they were actually the instruments of God to execute the judgment of God because the northern kingdom had completely forsaken God and had given themselves over to sin. But the southern kingdom was faithful to God, right? We had just read about it last week. They reopened the temple. They worshiped. They gave themselves to the presence of God. The suddenlies of God begin to happen. And then after these acts of faithfulness, Assyria came. And so you can see the difference with the northern kingdom. Assyria was an, uh, uh, was an instrument of God's judgment. But when Assyria came to the southern kingdom, they were not an instrument of God's judgment. This was the enemy coming against God's people. And they thought to break into the fortified cities for themselves. Verse 2, now when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to make war on Jerusalem, he decided with his officers and his warriors to cut off the supply of water from the springs which were outside the city, and they helped him. So many people assembled and stopped up all the springs and the stream which flowed through the region, saying, why should the kings of Assyria come and find abundant water? And he took courage and rebuilt all the wall that had been broken down and erected towers on it and built another outside wall and strengthened the Milo in the city of David and made weapons and shields in great number. He appointed military officers over the people and gathered them into the square at the city gate and he spoke to them encouragingly. What He, he had his brave heart speech. Right? His brave heart speech. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be dismayed because of the king of Assyria, nor because of all the horde that is with him. For the one who is with us is greater than the one with him. With him is only an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Preparation. Hezekiah knew that Assyria was coming, so what did he do? He stopped up all the streams outside the city so that the sieging army didn't have access to water, and they actually opened up access to the water inside the city so they would have water. They repaired the walls, built a second wall, built towers, made weapons, established an army. They did everything to prepare for war. Even though Hezekiah had to trust in God and God alone, he still made preparations. It was Cromwell back in the 1600s, the English general and statesman, who was credited with the quote of saying, pray to God and keep your powder dry. Pray to God and keep your powder dry. Absolutely trust in the Lord, but also make preparations for war. Right? When I was a teenager, Metallica on their Black Album... I bet you didn't expect Metallica to be quoted in church today. Metallica on their black album did a song called Don't Tread on Me. And there was a line in the song that said, to declare peace is to prepare for war. Listen, the best time to prepare for war is before the enemy gets there. 
When the enemy is already upon you, it's already too late to start preparing for war. So what does this mean? How do we put this into application in our New Testament life? We prepare for war in the good times so that in the bad times we're not shaken. Which means we learn how to pray. We learn how to do spiritual warfare. We memorize as many scriptures as possible so that we have the word of God ready to speak and declare over our situations. Right? We get together and we build relationships with our brothers and sisters in church so that we're not alone. We make preparations. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are spiritual in nature. They are mighty in God. Prepare for war. Don't let the enemy catch you off guard. Right? The punch that knocks you out is not the strongest punch. It's the one you didn't see coming. Make preparations. As the people of God, be prepared for war. The second thing we learn is silence. 2 Kings 18 and verse 36. So as as the envoy of Assyria was shouting all of these lies to the people that were standing on the walls, we get to verse 36 where it says, But the people were silent and answered him not a word, for the king's commandment was do not answer him. Listen. Hezekiah instructed the people, don't have a conversation with the enemy. Don't have a conversation with the enemy. Now listen, I know we're a charismatic church, and so we love to rebuke the devil. We love to talk to the devil, right? But listen, yes, you can rebuke the devil, but you don't need to talk to him about his lies because all he's going to do is lie some more. And by having a conversation with him, all you're doing is giving honor to his lies and allowing his lies to creep deeper into your heart and deeper into your psyche. Don't have a conversation with somebody who's lying to you. Hezekiah said, be silent. Listen, I know James 4, 7 says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. But resisting the devil doesn't mean you have to talk to him. Resisting the devil just means you don't have to listen to him and you don't have to do what he's telling you to do. And if you don't listen and you don't do what he tells you to do, he's going to go away. He will flee from you. Don't have conversations with the devil about the lies he's telling to you. It's only going to wrap you up deeper into those lies. Number three is partnership. Is partnership. We talked last week about the special relationship that Hezekiah had with the prophet Isaiah because of Hezekiah's grandfather, Zechariah. So when the enemy is coming and the lies are being poured out, what does Hezekiah do? 2 Kings 19.1. And when King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth. Right? This is signs of mourning and distress. And entered the house of the Lord. Then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household with Shebna, the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth to Isaiah the prophet. In the midst of his fear... And in the midst of the lies of the enemy that were coming against him, what does Hezekiah do? He calls for a friend. Second Chronicles 32.20 in the same story says, But King Hezekiah and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, prayed about this and cried out to heaven. 
How do we respond all in against the enemy? You get some people to partner with you. Don't go through it alone. And that doesn't mean that you ask for somebody to pray for you when you don't pray. No, that's not what it means. It means you pray together. You ask people to stand together. Hezekiah called for a friend, and that friend Isaiah showed up, and he showed up with a prophetic word of encouragement and encouraged Hezekiah and built him up. And then in that encouragement, they together, they cried out to the Lord, and they prayed. Don't go through it alone. If you're wrestling with the lies of the enemy, if the attacks and the intimidation and the fear are coming upon you, don't face it alone. Find some partners who will stand with you, who will encourage you, who will prophesy over you, and who will pray with you. Amen? Come on. And this is what I want to finish on today, and and I want to camp out on this for a few minutes because this is so significant to me. The last thing I want to talk to you about is take the lies to your heavenly Father and ask for his deliverance. 2 Kings 19, and starting in verse 14. Remember, I said one of the waves of lies was sent in written form, right? They actually wrote it out in a letter and delivered that letter to King Hezekiah. So here we go in verse 14. Then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And he went up to the house of the Lord and he spread it out before the Lord. Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, who are enthroned above the cherubim, you are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And listen to the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have devastated the nations and their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone, so they have destroyed them. Now, O Lord God, I pray, deliver us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. Come on, he got the letter in his hand. He heard the lies spoken out loud. Now he's got the lies written down, and the only thing that he could think to do with those lies was to take them into the presence of his Father. I want to share with you a story I heard from one of my good friends here on Kauai. He's got three boys, but one of his boys he's had a battle with. And they've had to work through some stuff, and there's been some difficulties. But this this, this teenage boy has learned that one of the ways that he can really cope with his emotions and his thoughts is he has learned the the, the power of journaling. And he's really gotten into journaling. Well, just last weekend, they had a huge blow-up, right? They, they took his phone away because he was using his phone late at night when he wasn't supposed to. And they had warned him, and so they said, all right, we're taking your phone away. Well, when they took his phone away, he just lost it. And it was intense, and there was screaming and yelling and, and, and you know, even had to restrain him at one point. And there was, there was tears, and there was all kinds of emotion going on. And finally, this young man, you know, goes into his room. And he does the only thing he could think to do. He starts journaling. And he starts writing out, but he's writing out all these thoughts and these negative thoughts about himself and, and where he's at in life and, and these lies that he has wrestled with. He has just written all of these things out. And it was about 1 o'clock in the morning as he's still sitting in bed writing. 
that my friend, his dad, walked into the room. And he just sat down next to him. And this young man looks up at his dad. And he hands him the journal. And he says, Dad, will you read this? This is what I'm thinking right now. He takes all the lies and he gives them to his dad. And his dad reads it. And then this young man hands his dad a pen and says, Dad, can you write down what you think of me? Can you write down what you see in my life? And so he takes the pen and he begins to write all the giftings and the greatness and he begins to prophesy over his son and tell him, his son, all the glorious things that he sees in his life and all the ways that God is going to use him. He took the lies and he gave them to his dad and his dad replaced those lies with truth. And here we've got King Hezekiah. This letter is placed into his hand. All of these lies of the enemy, all of the threats and intimidation, all of the things that say he's not going to make it. And the only thing that Hezekiah could think to do is to take this letter into the presence of his father. And it says he spread it out before God. And he began to cry out to God. Lord, you see what the enemy is saying. You see his lies. And Lord, I'm afraid that they're true. And you see the things that he's saying about me. And I'm worried that I'm not adequate. And that I'm not going to make it. Was I the right man to lead these people? Did I make the right decision to rebel against Assyria? Have I brought death upon everybody? But he cries out to God and he says, you alone are God. You alone are the God, not only of Israel, but you are the God of the heavens and of the earth. And yeah, Assyria defeated those other nations, but those were fake gods. Those were just statues made with men's hands. You are the true God. And so, Lord, I cry out to you. Will you deliver us, O Lord? Will you deliver us, O Lord? I've got nowhere else to turn. Yeah, I failed, Lord, and I turned to other places, but now, Lord, I only have you. Will you take these lies, God, and will you replace them with truth, and will you bring the deliverance that no man could possibly bring, but that, God, only you could bring? Jesus. Let me have the worship team come up today. So what happened? Second, night, second Kings 19.35. Then it happened that night that the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when men rose early in the morning, and behold, all of them were dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. And it came about as he was worshiping in the house of his God that Adramelech and Sherezer killed him with the sword, and they escaped into the land 
of Ararat. Everything that his friend Isaiah had prophesied would happen, happened. And because he took the lies into the presence of his father and cried out for deliverance to his father, God showed up in a supernatural way. 185,000 Assyrian warriors died in their sleep and never woke up. And anybody who was left immediately fled because they realized they were dealing with a true God, not the gods of the other nations. They were dealing with a real God that they had no power over. And they fled. Kauai Bible Church today, I want us to do some spiritual warfare. I believe all of us are wrestling with the lies of the enemy in one way or another. All of us are struggling to believe for the suddenlies of God. All of us are struggling to believe for the miracles and the breakthrough. Come on, the restoration of wayward children, the restoration of our marriages. Come on, our own deliverance from fear and anxiety and depression, our own deliverance from our addictions and the sins that we struggle with. Will I ever be the leader I'm supposed to be? Will I ever be the minister I'm supposed to be? Will I ever be used by God to do great things? Will I ever use my gifts for the kingdom of God? Will I always be this broken? Will I always be stuck in this place? Will I always be here? And I believe today is a day that God is telling us to follow the example of King Hezekiah to be all in against the enemy by taking the lies that the enemy has spoken over us and taking those into the presence of our Father and saying, Lord, will you deliver us? Lord, will you bring about the supernatural that only you can bring? Lord, will you speak truth to me and replace these lies with the truth? Here's what I want to do. In the chairs and the seat backs, I know there's offering envelopes and there's welcome cards and there's prayer cards, but there's also just blue cardstock in there, just plain blue cardstock. And I want to encourage everyone to participate. It's just find the nearest chair back, either behind you or in front of you, and find yourself a pen and one of those blue cards. And I'm going to invite you right now to fill that card up with all the lies of the enemy that you're wrestling with. How has he lied to you? How has he threatened you? How has he intimidated you? How has he used the failures of your past to keep you stuck in the present? How is he trying to convince you that you're never going to see victory? What sins is he keeping you stuck in? What is he saying about your character? I want you to write out those lies. And then as we begin to worship together right now, I'm going to invite you to take that card and to bring it right up here to the altar and just lay that card on the altar and we're going to spread those lies out in the presence of our Father. And we're going to ask our Father to replace those lies with truth. And we're going to cry out to God for supernatural victory. And we're going to see miracles happen in this place. You don't need to put your name on the card. God knows you wrote it. If you're worried about privacy or anything, listen, we're not going to do any sort of handwriting analysis to figure out you wrote the card. All we're going to do with these cards is take them straight to the shredder after church. If you're on our digital campus watching this, just find a piece of paper and do this with us. Write it all out on a piece of paper. Spread it out on the floor wherever you're worshiping God. Jesus.
Come on, as the worship team begins to play the song, just write these lies out. And when you're ready, when you're ready, you just bring them up here and just spread them out on the altar. And then you can go back to your seat. You can go somewhere off to the side. You can go wherever you need to go to begin to pray to the Lord and cry out to him for deliverance. Come on, let's do some spiritual warfare today.